Dad Doesn't Like. I'm Lizzie. And I'm B. And today we have a very special episode in our um, ordinary routine of discussing the world of contemporary art because what is it today, Dad? Well, it's um, art generated by artificial intelligence after we put in prompts into um, websites. <laughs> yes, and it's all to celebrate our half-year birthday of doing the podcast. Yeah, fantastic. It doesn't seem like that. We've been doing this for 26 weeks. Yeah, half a year of you not liking things. <laughs> there have been some that I have liked and some that you've nudged me towards <laughs> liking or at least tolerating. <laughs> um, well, hopefully you're going to like them a bit more today since you've had a hand in creating some of yours. But I thought we'd just, I guess, canvas the world of AI-generated art briefly first. Um, did you see recently... In the news, Dad, these pictures of the Pope in a big, puffy, white coat. Yes, I did. A sort of massive um, Parker. Um, yeah. And did you realise that that was AI-generated? Well, I knew that he wasn't wandering around Rome dressed in a Parker, so I assumed that there was some technological trickery um, <laughs> behind the image, yes. I don't know why you just assumed that. It could have been a fashion statement. Like the previous Pope used to wear those Prada shoes. Yes, that's right. So, but yeah, a lot of people saw that and didn't realise that it was AI generated. Like people were sharing yeah. thinking that it was real. Well, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a, I saw a news item about how convincing um, deep fake creations are. And they had a, purported speech by Barack Obama, but it wasn't by him. It was using technology to create this image of him. And of course, there's a mountain of data of what his voice sounds like um, to indicate that he was saying things that he would never say. And it's it's quite frightening, really, what AI can do. Yeah, I mean, a picture of the Pope in a big, puffy <laughs> version of his normal attire is pretty innocuous. But, yeah, the world of deep fakes can be used for all kinds of nefarious purposes. But, I mean, AI-generated images have also thrown up, as you would expect, a lot of other legal issues. Um, so have you heard about this issue with Getty Images? No. So, you know, the, the business, Getty Images. So they've, they've sued the AI art generator Stable Diffusion for copyright infringement because, so the company says that Stable Diffusion used or copied 12 million images to train this AI model that comes up, you know, you put in the prompt so that it knows, you know, like car, like what are images of cars that it can put together to make the image that you've requested. Um, but do you know what the most blatant clue to this infringement is. Did they forget to remove the watermark on the on the photographs? Yeah. So in some of these <laughs> in some of these requests that you make of stable diffusion, when it generates the image, you see this like very, you know, blurry white, you know, you can kind of make out the Getty images font because in all the composites, they all have the watermark in that spot. How <laughs> oh, silly. Um, so, I mean, it's causing a lot of really interesting issues. I mean, it's also a big issue for artists. So on the 13th of January this year, a group of illustrators sued Mid Journey and DeviantArt, um, 
which is behind DreamUp and Stability AI, so some of these AI generators in California, for using their artworks without consent or compensation to train these algorithms. So the idea being, you know, that they're taking all these images by illustrators but not giving them credit to train these AI models and making profit from that. But, of course, you know, that raises a lot of debates around, well, you know, any artist draws from broader source material or ideas to make their art. I mean, you have all these issues around appropriation art, which can also cause legal issues. But it's, you know, there are a lot of discussions between, I guess, where do you draw the line between that normal kind of pattern of artistic inspiration and the direct use of images to train an algorithm. So it's very, very interesting. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, um, I also remember hearing a radio broadcast about one of the social media networks was trying to use AI to filter out objectionable material that was being posted. And it proved to be useless because it was stopping things that were innocuous and allowing things through that weren't. Uh, so I think it is very, very difficult to train it to respond or analyze in a rational manner. And probably some of our art that we've developed on AI will show that. Yeah, so everyone, you can view the images that we and AI have created on our Instagram at artdadpod. Uh, so you can follow along as we discuss them. Um, Dad, would you like to share your first one first? Yes. So to try and test whether or not the uh, system understood the request, I put in mosaic of a dog driving a car. And in the image that was generated as a result, I ended up with a picture of a dog driving a car made of mosaic. <laughs> so I don't think that the system really understood. And then when I repeated the search, but altering the word order slightly, I ended up with what looked like a, a, a mosaic from ancient Rome of mm. dogs, also a mosaic of a car depicted in it. Um, and neither of these images is really very satisfying. Um, and, you know, particularly as the mosaic of the dog driving the car, the car was made of mosaic, the dog looked like a dog, whereas I wanted a mosaic picture of both mm. as a mosaic. So it's obviously um, got some difficulty in in grammar, and I don't think grammar really uh, is, it's not capable of understanding syntax and changing the image accordingly. Well, you're pretty strict with grammar when it comes to humans, so I can only <laughs> imagine this must be making you, like, itchy when you see it not understanding. I mean, I do quite like the actual mosaic, um, although yes. the, the eyes of the dogs are quite scary because they're quite hollow. Like, yes. I mean, normally in mosaics, I don't find the eyes. That's I mean, normally the eyes are also made up of multiple pieces of mosaic. So yes. I think, um, yeah, it's not quite reaching ancient Roman or Byzantine levels of... Um, detail. Um, no. it's, it's very interesting to see the effects of the grammar. So, I mean, one, you know, prompt that I put in, which I think, you know, shows a good grasp of grammar, 
is was a request for a surrealist painting of a boy being chased by a lion. Yes, and uh, you produced a really horrific vision. And I mean, I think this is very, very cruel of you to to produce this image because it shows. I've told you when I was a child, I used to have this recurring nightmare of being chased by a lion. But there's also a spider in the picture, which you know is another thing that I'm afraid of. So it really is a very um, nightmarish image. You know, when I look at it though. What I think, because I didn't request any other thing, that, I mean, you say it looks like a spider, but to me it almost looks like one of the robot creatures in the Matrix, you know, it's got those sort of tentacly things. I think it's interesting that, I mean, I think that basically flows from the request for a surrealist painting because surrealist paintings so often have, as we've discussed, these weird, innocuous things that don't go together. So it's this kind of like alieny or undersea type creature, but it's in the sky, yeah. and it does capture that. Yes, it does. Um, but I, yeah, I thought that it would be some good like exposure therapy for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because we can really analyze it. You know, it kind of looks like he's running, but the line doesn't look like it's running. You know, it's going quite slowly. So maybe the line has become docile from being around the boy. Yes, but also what you need to understand, Lizzie, is that what is slow for a lion is actually very fast for a human. So I'm actually quite pessimistic as to the boy's ultimate fate. <laughs> well, they are, you know, we can really get into the analysis. They are going on sort of a downhill path. So maybe that's, yes. you know, a symbol for everything going downhill. Yes. Um, well, would you like to share your next one? Yes. So, as always, there have to be cats in our podcast, and I've I've got a few, but I'll just mention one. And this was um, a a cat in the style of Constable. Mm. And it was a very sort of unsatisfactory result because they've got this, what was produced was a background that looks very like the Hayway, but isn't exactly the same. And then with just a cat plonked down in front of it. So, so there wasn't any attempt to uh, depict a cat in the way that Constable would have painted. And I think he did paint at least cattle or other forms of animals in his scenes. Um, so this is just a very lazy AI, and the cat's eyes are just staring hypnotically at the person um, from the foreground of, of the Constable-like um, landscape. So. I didn't think that one worked very well, but what did work well was the cat Kandinsky mm. because I asked the AI to generate a picture of a cat in the style of Kandinsky, whose um, constructivist um, art I really like, and I think it did a brilliant job with the colour mm. scheme and the, and the line. Yeah. I mean, do you want to explain a bit more about Kandinsky? Yeah, Yes, he was one of a movement of artists in the first 25 years of the 20th century. And uh, there were a number of phases to this movement. Um, Constructivism is one of them, and I think there were others. And what 
it was very much tied up with the Bolshevik Revolution and the idea of uh, reducing art to its technical essence. So he's got a famous uh, uh, picture of geometric circles and lines and triangles and squares, which I, I really like. And other uh, of the constructivist artists, you know, if asked to paint a house, would just paint the lines representing the planks that would be used in building. And I find the that art endlessly satisfying because there's so much detail and because of its simplicity and its colour. Mm, yeah, and I think this is a really good representation of that. I mean, they've really brought the cat down to the bare essence of catness, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. I. You know what I did notice in the cat constable picture? Um, is that at the side there's something that looks like you know like a copyright and then and yes. then, but it's not proper letters no it's almost like hieroglyphics so i hope we're not going to get caught up in a getty like <laughs> yes <laughs> but you know it is interesting to see that but it is bizarre that the cat looks very cartoonish yeah. Against the constable-like landscape. I mean, you can see, especially with the sky in this picture, that it really mimics that very atmospheric depiction of clouds yes. that Constable was focused on. I mean, all of those studies of clouds that he did. I mean, obviously this is not the same level of skill as Constable, but it has captured that feeling. Um so it is yes. It is interesting. Um, I also made a picture to do with cats. Um, and the prompt I put in for this was painting of illegal academics surrounded by cats in the style of Edward Hopper. Oh, yes. Uh, that, that image, uh, as you know, I like Hopper very much. And that image is very, very emblematic of the same uh, ambiance of uh, isolation and um, contemplation and stark furniture um, of the academic sitting with his cats for company on his desk, as often happened to me, has happened to me when I've been writing books. So I really like that picture. Yeah, I, it actually makes me think a bit of, you know, when Patsy walked on your keyboard when you were writing your thesis. Oh, yes. And... Um, I had a whole lot of X's and Z's just uh, running across one of the lines. Thankfully, I'd, I'd saved it before that. But, yeah, it was her, her contribution to my doctorate. I mean, sometimes when, also when we zoom like this, you see a tail go in front of the camera yes. when yes. they're walking behind. But, yeah, I um, I think this is a very good depiction of Hopper. You know, he often has these, well, he has these city scenes but showing, you know, the person in isolation and also this inclusion of the sort of modernist um, interior design, the lamp that you have that's yes. above the man. Um, so it's it's very interesting in the use of the light um, yes. coming in from the window. I mean, you have in Hopper often either light streaming into these quite dark city apartments or you have like in the Nighthawks that focus top-down light um, onto yes. people from interior lighting. And, I mean, here you have sort of a combination 
of the two. Um, and again, also the humans in Hopper's paintings, you know, they don't usually look at the viewer, but I find it no. interesting he does that the AI, he, that the AI um, here puts the cat staring out at us. Yes. Yeah. The humans are very inscrutable in Hopper and mm. you're just intrigued and wondering what's going through their mind. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the cats often feel the same way about you when you're yes. wondering when you're next going to feed them. So, <laughs> um, Do you want to introduce your next piece? Yes. Uh, this is another cat piece, <laughs> the last cat one. And I think it's very successful because what I put in was cat in the style of Zuni dolls. Mm. And it produced this image, which is very emblematic of the Zuni art of the southwest of the United States, which, as you know, um, consists of these wooden dolls with um, stiff arms, often have big ears, although this one, this cat doesn't, and brightly coloured designs on it. And I think this is a possible Zuni cat. I was very pleased with that. Mm. Yeah, and so why did you pick Zuni art? Um, well, it, it really comes out of the fact that when I went on a Fulbright scholarship to the US, we went to um, New Mexico and we visited a ancient Zuni Puebla consisting of a cave village cut into the side of a valley. And I loved seeing the Zuni art in curio shops and uh, have always really liked the stark colours, the geometric designs, and the reflection of the desert as well in, in, in the paintings and sculptures. You know, what I find interesting in this production is that it has uh, the, well, I mean, it's like it's made a picture of an object, you know, like of one of these dolls, but it has it casting a shadow. Yes. You know, it's funny that it. I mean, also that seems difficult to tell how that would be because it does seem to me to be lying flat, but it's casting a shadow, and some of the shadow is also being cast like on the inner side of one of the arms. So I'm not yes. sure. I mean, obviously the sort of placement of light there is a bit confusing. I don't know if it's maybe it's some composite of museum pictures of the display of some of these yeah. dolls where there is a shadow cast plus yes. the creation of the object. And also the failure to use wood, which was the medium that was used in the Zuni art. Yeah, maybe it's just the – because did you say that you use a request for a, a doll? Maybe most of its source material of – Dolls is not wood. Oh, it's fabric, yeah. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's interesting, though. I What I don't know, but I guess this also comes down to syntax, is how much the models isolate the separate words. Yes. You know, is it looking for, like, Zuni object or Zuni and object and then meshing those together? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I have something very different as well to share next, and that's, um, well, I'll ask you to tell me what you think this image is. Um, it's, I'm referring to the one of the man in a, a sort of robe. Yes. 
Well, it, it looks like a, a strange, um, it looks like an ancient Roman who's been transported to uh, Mexico and is attending a, an Inca festival. Well, the request I put in for this was painting in the style of Frida Kahlo of Julius Caesar on the Ides of March. <laughs> That's brilliant. And I love, I mean, that is so uh, similar to the colouring in Frida Kahlo's art. And I love the fact that it's picked up that there's a threat inherent in that because he's looking very nervously over his shoulder. Yeah, and there's this sort of figure to the side of him near the robe holding something in the hand, and I don't know if it's a tiny dagger. It's kind of hard to tell. Yes. But you know what was interesting was when I first tried to generate this, I put in the request, Julia, uh, a painting in the style of Frida Kahlo of Julius Caesar being murdered on the Ides of March, and it wouldn't generate it. Uh, obviously doesn't want people generating violent images. Yeah, so I had to circumvent it um, with just a reference to the the date and the event. But um, as you say, it does. The image does seem to have an awareness of like what occurred on the Ides of March. I mean, you also have yes. him here holding like a little magnifying glass, which is. Yes. I don't know if he's trying to, you know, solve the mystery of, yes. you know, who will betray him. Um, yes. You also have these semi-surrealist elements, like what seems to be a pegasus on the other side of him to this little human figure. And there's a bird in the background through what seems to be a porthole. So, again, sort of similarly to the picture of the boy being chased by the lion, it does pick up on these sort of incongruous elements that you normally find in surrealist paintings. Yes. Um, yes. That's, it's very, very intriguing, that, that painting. Yeah. And how it's dropped in, you know, the flower wreath on the head that is so often an element in um, yes. Carlo's own self-portraits. Definitely. Uh, and, I mean, the Mexican flavour definitely comes through in this picture. Yeah. Would you like to share another? Right. For my final piece, I've got um, one where I simply put in the, the search term landscape in the style of Gerhard Richter. And I think here it's it's obviously drawn on a bank of Richter's art because it's just as one would imagine a, a Richter landscape would be with the um, streaky horizontal lines and the very subtle shadings of colors uh so it's a uh, it's obviously found it very easy the ai to model what a richter landscape would look like it'd be very interesting to know what he would think of it you know i have two points here the first is i mean it's very interesting it's obviously picked up on his series of those photorealistic blur uh paintings that he does yes but he's had a very, very varied body of work. I mean, he has some extremely abstract pieces more lately. Um, yes. So it is interesting to see how it picks up on which style to pick from him. I mean, maybe it's the fact that it's a landscape. I mean, it would be hard for the AI, I guess, to convert the idea of a landscape to one of those heavily 
abstracted pieces that he also does. Yes. I guess the blur photorealistic paintings are more suitable in that sense. Um, but my second point is, I mean, when I saw this, I immediately thought Richter. I mean, for one, books, I know that you like him, so I guess there's sort of a, a bias in thinking that it would be that. But you know who it also made me think of? Um, Rothko? Turner. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, Turner wouldn't have the capability of using this. I'm sorry. Um, Turner's just, you know, he... He was trying to paint things and then copping out because he couldn't finish them. So he's <laughs> painting his picture of a fighting tremor but it's got tired, so he just makes it all blurred out by a setting sun. And I'm sorry, you, you just – why do we have to introduce Turner into so many things? You, you really are being provocative now. <laughs> I just think it's funny that you have a bias of from whom you will accept a blurred picture. Because the this this isn't a Richter, but Richter isn't trying <laughs> to depict something. He is experimenting with colour and line, whereas Turner was trying to paint a ship and failing abysmally. <laughs> okay, well, I should have known better to bring him up. I have a final picture, which I hope will <laughs> help um, soothe you. And so it's the man with the dog. Do you, um, what do you think I put in as a request here? Did you put in some character from history during the age of Henry VIII and Spaniel? Well, that is so close because I didn't, the request I put in, the character was you because the subject I asked for was an old scholar. Um, <laughs> but the full request was painting in the style of Hans Holbein of an old scholar oh. holding a Cavalier King Charles dog. That's fantastic. You, it's really wonderful. Uh, I've seen a Holbein in the Frick collection in New York, and I think this could proudly be put hung next to it. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean. Really, done a really good job. Yeah, I think it is so interesting how it is so easily identifiable as, you know, like a, a, a mock Holbein, that it, it's so effective at picking up on the tropes of different artists. Yeah, um, because they always have that um, hat of the in the Tudor style and the robes and that they're often in that position on the on the canvas. So yeah, that's that's a brilliant pa painting. Yeah. Um, so that's basically one of you. Maybe we should see how effective <laughs> your professional branding has been. And next time I'll just put in painting in the style of Hans Holbein of Bede Harris holding a Cavalier King Charles dog. I mean, to the AI, Old Scholar and Bede Harris are probably all mapped together in one... <laughs> block of source material yeah well now this is degenerating into ageism i think <laughs> <laughs> um well i think that's all we have today but it's been really interesting to see i mean i think it's a window both into ai but also into our minds yeah very definitely you know this is a trove of information for a psychiatrist i feel 
<laughs> yes, a very different kind of art therapy where the art generated is provoking the need for a therapist. Yes. Um, well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this special half-birthday episode. Uh, next week, we're going to be discussing an Australian artist. Can you guess who, Dad? No, um, my breadth of knowledge of art is dwarfed by yours, so I'll have to uh, rely on you to tell me who. It's Patricia Piccinini. Okay. She uh, made the well, sky whale. The sky whale? Yeah. Okay. Now I'm somewhat less enthusiastic, but anyway, we'll give it a go. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you, uh, everyone, for joining us. You can find us on Instagram at ArtDadPod if you'd like to check out the images again and otherwise keep up to date with all the art Dad variously doesn't like or at best tolerates. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>